Pause. Pause. We have no sound. Man, technical difficulties. Uh, somebody says I have a nice face for radio. Yeah. Okay, should I play the intro music again? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing that our first episode went nearly without a hitch. And that was the one we were most nervous about. And a year into this, uh, our, our iRig completely lets us down. So thank you for those of you that are still here after a year and five minutes. That's a long time to to uh, to hang in there. But uh, yes, a little bit of technical difficulties there. But thank you for standing by and bearing with us. And uh, we're in for a heck of an episode tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to recap one year of SwitchCast. We are going to take your suggestions and look forward to what's going on next year. We're going to have some great market updates, some interesting discussion on cars, whether or not they're investments yet again, but a little bit of a different twist on that. And just some really cool stuff out of automotive news this week. Uh, There's never a shortage of great content happening uh, in the world just by people doing things and existing because people are people. So uh, anyway, if you'd like to contribute tonight, ask a question, make a suggestion, you can post your comment in the flow of wherever you are watching live. We'd love to engage with you. And Ethan, our producer, is going to come on mic for a rare appearance, appearance, audio appearance. We're not going to see his beautiful face, but uh, it is... It is nearly as smooth as Mark Spence's voice. Actually, we're in a hotel for Drift University and uh, down in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And what was what actor did that the girl say you looked like? She, I believe it was Drake Bell. Drake Bell. Or no, no, she. No. Yeah, I, I think it was Drake Bell. Or was it know. Andrew Garfield, the Spider-Man guy? Isn't Andrew Garfield a president? Um, James A. Garfield was a president. Okay. Yeah. Andrew Jackson. Andrew That's Jackson. What it is. Yeah. Yes. Andrew go. Jackson. It's good. It's uh, good. Yeah. I don't know who any of those people are, but yes, Ethan's a studly looking dude. But sorry for you guys who are watching live. We are going from the native iPhone audio. So if you want great audio without this beautiful face later, you can watch it. Uh, sorry, listen on whatever platform you get to your audio pod- podcasts. Podcasts. I guess if you grow weed, that's what you would call a show. Podcast, yeah. Podcast. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, or a cooking show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for bearing with us. And uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. What are we going to do other than have fun when it starts out this way? So, okay. Uh, Ethan. (laughs) Yeah. What have we learned this year? One, iRig sucks. So if anyone has a better solution uh, for getting great pre-mixed audio to a a phone for a live stream other than iRig... We're all ears, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. No, iRig has been nothing but a thorn in our side for the past how a year. For yeah, the past for, year. For the from past the year. very um, impetus of this uh, podcast, mm. it's been it's been bad. Impetus. That's dude. This is a Michael Scott word right there. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. No, that's that's not. <laughs> hey, but we have learned quite a bit though. Impetus. Um, the force or energy with which a body moves. Hmm. Yeah. 
from the very force of this podcast. The very <laughs> conception is perhaps a better word. Is that is that better? Does that work better for you? I'm so, what word were you looking for? Um, Genesis, I believe, was the word okay. I was looking for. All right, all right. Impetus, yeah, not that. <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, yeah, so. Doug had reached out to me a while uh, before we actually went live with this podcast and asked if I had any desire or experience with uh, podcast production, which I hadn't, but I was happy to learn it. And you had a marketing degree. I had a marketing degree from a school. And, and you understand sound. And I understood and how technology. sound works. I had, I had produced some music at that mm-hmm. point in time. Yep. Which, you had your own um, album. I did. It was, Shout a, it out. was an EP. Let's, what, where um, is it? You, you can, yeah, you can listen to Ethan Huffnagel on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Music, same places you can listen to Emily and Ivory, as, as it turns out. But um, So I had some experience with sound. Doug had reached out to me, uh, asked if I would be interested in producing anything. Uh, like a podcast and he wanted it to be a call-in podcast which took us a while to figure out how that uh how that software would work but we did we figured it out and it worked yeah we had a number of test streams we had some fun there's some fun footage from some of those uh pilot episodes (laughs) that we did um and they they went well enough for us to not bail on the whole idea Mm -hmm. we stuck with it and a year later we're still doing it like you had said when the sound was out, so I don't think anyone could hear you. Yep. Oddly enough, our first episode went uh, remarkably better than this episode is going in terms <laughs> of production. But um, regardless, regardless, we made it a year. Um, and we've actually seen a good a good deal of growth, not only on the YouTube channel or, or our Facebook page, which is what I'm assuming anyone who's watching this right now as we're talking yep. is probably watching it on, I would hope. Yep. Um, and the, the so let's touch for a moment on that so youtube is very interesting as is facebook and all those social medias because of their algorithms which i'm not going to try to begin to understand or explain but there's it's not linear growth Mm -mm. and it's almost unexplainable how one episode does really well and another one doesn't versus the audio platforms where we've experienced just steady yeah oh 100 percent, which has been cool to see for two people who had never ever produced a podcast before um like you kind of alluded to just there our youtube and social media growth sometimes um not so much recently but maybe six months ago had a tendency to plateau fairly frequently and um there was no predicting what videos would do well, which would garner us more subscribers, more more viewers, more followers, whatever it might be. Right. Um, and the end goal of that is not that in and of itself, but to, to use the gain in followers and subscribers and views as a measure of what is interesting to you, the viewers, because all that feedback is not for our own ego. It's to say, what are we doing well? What do you like? And what can we do better? Like, mm-hmm. how do we make content that that resonates with our viewers? And yeah. so it's very tough to gauge that when the the social medias are hand picking who sees what. For sure, for sure. Um, especially when algorithms um, that 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 go into Facebook choosing what appears where on people's feeds. Um, 
you can't measure it. There's no real way to know what's going to work and what mm-hmm. doesn't until you throw the mud against the wall and you actually see what, right. what sticks. So what's been working from an audio podcast platform? How do we look there? And Yeah. yeah. Um, so from an analytical perspective, the audio podcast, like you said, has done far, far better than than the um than the video podcast at least in terms of consistent of consistent growth so what we've seen um in terms of platform distribution most people are listening on as i think we kind of suspected going into this apple podcasts and spotify in particular mm-hmm. is where more than Those half, the only two i've ever heard of well i'm looking at a list right now and i'll honestly i've not heard of of more than half of these things um but apparently there are other other platforms not is to, there a podcast platform yeah they, they may be but you know if, if you you're know, listening do they have on, to be real careful about who's on there do they have to weed out their uh, subscribers where's the where's the drum kit you got it it's right there. here get it it's facing the wrong way man well done that joke will grow on you <laughs> but yeah hey shout out to all of our <laughs> listeners from overcast and Castbox and pocket casts and all all those places um cast box yeah that's a that's an interesting that's name that's opposite of box not cast. related to box cast is a proud sponsor of switch cast box is not a sponsor not a sponsor no but box cast is Absolutely, and we're happy to have them. We love without them, we wouldn't be to you right now, live. We are in person. Yeah. So something I've noticed, um, at least from the the tubes of you, is uh, a little bit into this. We made a a a push to kind of get some bigger name guests on the show, and some of those were for the name themselves. Some of them were just interesting to me. Tim Cotton was one of my favorite guests. Um, not necessarily, you know, in the Venn diagram of automotive enthusiasts versus people that follow the Bangor police department on Facebook. It's Tim a Cotton small overlap. Yeah. That was one of my favorite episodes ever. And it didn't get a, a ton of views. Um, in fact, to me, it like, it surprised me because I just did a Q and a hail Mary the next week because I didn't have a guest and it got more views than Tim cotton. And to me, that's silly because I'd far rather hear somebody other than myself talk. (laughs) (laughs) And the most surprising thing out of all of this is how well the general Q and a sessions go or the, the Doug rants because yes, golly, my wife just starts rolling her eyes and you know, this fog comes over her yeah. when I talk, but <laughs> no, the Q and A's do do exceptionally well. Why, why do you, I mean? You said you have no idea, but if you had to guess, what is the reason that they do well? Is it your sphere of influence? What I, what is it? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I get around. It's a joke. Sphere of influence round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, get it? It's good joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not my dad jokes that. That is the reason. But, I never uh, know. Uh, scams are always popular. The Scam scams Week do. episode is to date one of our most popular ones. Yeah, yeah. For sure. both both that was one of the rare ones that um, saw success on both the audio and the video yep. format. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've I've become known as the, the scam sniffer, I guess, on on uh, Vin Wiki too. So, <laughs> um, 
better than sniffing other things. But um, well, speaking of VinWiki, the Ed episode, we, we did notice and we anticipated a theme with Cannonball episodes, mm-hmm. um, whether or not it was someone who actually had done or attempted Cannonballs or someone who just kind of runs in that community. Um, those Those episodes, as anticipated, do very very well yeah um, both both they're the best stories those i mean jay roberts the the prius solo cannonballer steve well, steve brown's Brown story um, of the musket ball is just oh, one of my all-time favorite goodness. moments of the podcast. Um, if you haven't had, if you bauer, haven't watched steve brown's episode please do go back and, and watch it it's, scott bauer is a, a tour de force of humor in real life i mean he was he is He's exactly the same in life as he is on camera, if not more animated. He's Jim Carrey. And he's he's friggin' Jim Carrey he's on Jim Ace. Carrey, he's yeah. Ace Ventura. Like <laughs> I, but it's like Scott Bauer. Scott Bauer is more enter is almost more entertaining than Scott Bauer as, as Ace Ventura. Well, like it, it's, yes, and Cannonball stuff doesn't do that well on Vin Wiki historically, but. The stories are incredible, and we love having those guests on. I'm glad to see that that's like that's appreciated by our viewers as well. Yes, because those are absolutely the best stories. There's a lot of heart behind those stories and behind the guests uh, that come on and, and, and tell those stories. But not to say that there's not heart and uh, conviction from other guests. Taylor Hall was an episode that we did um, when we were in Birmingham. Uh, that was incredibly fascinating to listen to and and to watch, um, yet maybe didn't do as well in terms of numbers as Mm -hmm. I think either of us thought it was going to. Well, and to that point, Myron Vernus, who's a well-known name in the the car industry, um, he... uh, That was probably the highest ratio of... I, I got more feedback from people on Myron's episode that that was just incredible. His wealth of knowledge is amazing and people just wanted to listen to him, but the views were fairly low. Mm-hmm. So from if I gauged it based off of how many views we got on YouTube, it was pretty pathetic, but from all the personal feedback I got, that was probably the most personal feedback I got of, mm-hmm. man, that episode was great. Myron was great. Yeah, and we are going to do another one with Myron. We're probably going to do one at his facility because he has one of the most oddball, crazy collections of cars on the planet. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll do a, a an episode there. Do you want to talk a little bit about the um, not the impetus, but the genesis <laughs> of the whole switch cast on the road idea and why season two we decided to kind of maybe gear in a little bit of a different direction? Yeah. Um, so. <sighs> Part of it was difficulty of getting guests to us in Cleveland, especially in the winter, because I am and I think I still am committed to a live format, right? I don't like watching podcasts that are Zoom episodes, right? Like that's, to me, that is too reminiscent of what COVID did to us. It took away the personal interaction of life and put everything on Zoom. And the split screen thing, I'm like, it's just, it's not the same. Like you watch the news now and you have split screen and there's a delay there. And I'm just like, there's nothing like in-person interaction. Yeah. yeah. So in order to get guests that didn't necessarily want to come to Cleveland, but wanted to be on the show, I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go to you. And in the process, have a really fun adventure of like, man, all these great places I get to visit. 
And honestly, that was incredibly fun, and I'd like to do more of that. And I think we will, uh, just because I love going places and seeing different automotive service shops, collections, museums, whatever, like seeing in person what people are doing. Um, I think there's maybe some opportunity for a vlog of some sort attached to that. Mm -hmm. Because again, on the podcast, you can talk about it, but you don't get to really see and feel what's going on. Right. Which is, which is kind of what we tried to do with, um, when we went out to new England and we, we hung out with, uh, with Rapazi out there. Um, we, we kind of did an entire, uh, an, an entire vlog of sorts mm-hmm. at, at his shop and that whole weekend kind of. And then we also did an episode shot on location at his shop. And that was one of the greatest car weekends ever. It, it was, it was phenomenal. It was and amazing. we actually, someone, someone literally just commented as I'm saying this, that they loved the one with Matt Rapazzi. So yeah, Jimmy Rapazzi. Right. Yes. Um, Sam Steiner, Jimmy Rapazzi is, <laughs> I believe who you meant. Yes. Yeah, and there was so much more to that weekend, so many more, like out of that one episode, there's probably three or four people that we want to go back to and do a vlog from that that um, uh, Redshift's uh, car, uh, what do you call that, storage membership social club place. The, uh, the place that we went on, on yeah, Sunday Yeah, I can't there. remember the name of it. I don't remember but, it either. You know, with but... Matthew Ivanhoe from the Cultivate Collector. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. all the stuff we got to see, the personalities the wealth of knowledge, the inside look at the car business, at car collecting. like th- This is what we want to bring to you, the viewer, is an inside look at what really goes on um, behind just the, the Instagram photos and, and mm-hmm. you know what you see little snippets of, of is the real people and the operations behind all these crazy cars and yeah. what we all love. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And the stories behind them, because there's so many. There's so many. Um, Something else we learned, uh, let's see, uh, just about general operations. Spectrum sucks balls. Yeah, yeah. They still do. They they do suck Um, balls. I mean, just trying to to do this tonight, it was checking the network constantly. Yeah, apologies, by the way, everyone who's who's watching this right now. Apologies for how long it took us to get started to give you a stream that doesn't even have quality audio. If you want to listen to the quality audio, please do listen to the podcast, um, the audio podcast. But Spectrum... Spectrum was checking the network and... For about 15 minutes. A network? I mean, it should be called a not work. Mm, mm, (laughs) There it is. He was workshopping that one before we went live. I was. He was. I was. It was good. How to how to go? <laughs> yeah. No, the delivery. Distro was Kid there. also has no clue. So they manage yeah, the copyright. They manage the copyright for a band that I'm in, Emily and Ivory, and I'm I'm in it as well. Yes, Ethan is also in it, and uh, so I'm their drummer, and I'm on the recordings. Uh, I don't know if I have like artist credit or whatever writing credit. I, I don't know. Don't care. <laughs> but whatever. I'm 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 in the copyright. And uh, we obviously have expressed permission to use Emily and Ivory's music for our bumper music. But DistroKid, who manages our copyright, filed a copyright claim against one of our episodes mm-hmm. in YouTube. Yeah, got and demonetized. And got, it was uh, yeah, thing, got demonetized on that episode. Uh, yeah, it, but the funnier thing was is there at, at, 
I wanted to say, okay, they're doing a really great job because good, they're protecting our copyright. Yes. But they literally, in whatever, 45 episodes, they've only filed one copyright claim. It is bizarre. They're doing a terrible job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Part of me wants to commend them for their due diligence they've done, but also, hey, we've been using that song for, we've been using two of Emily and Ivory's songs for for a whole year now, and you caught us (laughs) once. With permission. With permission. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've had fun and we're going to keep going um, as as long as we can, as long as you are there. But uh, I want to hear from you guys. What do you want to see in year two? Do you want to see uh, more guests? Do you want more ranting, more dad jokes, uh, more just general Q&A, uh, more interaction with the viewers? Um, we're here for you because without you, we're not here. I mean, I guess we are, but it's just a self-serving, like, you know, me talking into a camera with nobody on the other end. Could be entertaining. People do that. That's just Um, called conversation. That's all that is. Monologue. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Post in the comments, hit us up, let us know if, if there's a guest you want to have, uh, us have on, um, or just, general format yeah we want to hear it do you have any thoughts on the future i know we, we've talked uh, quite a deal about the podcast but do you want to share it all of what you anticipate the the future of switchcast is going to be your vision for it it's a surprise mm. and they have to keep listening it's good yeah. tune in next episode to find <laughs> out <laughs> sorry guys i tried <laughs> Uh, we are also looking for sponsors for the next year, the next season of SwitchCast. So if you think your company would be a good fit for our ever-growing audience. Spectrum and iRig, please withhold uh, your uh, applications. Yes, for correct. We, we do only want sponsors that we... Uh, companies that we believe in ourselves. Uh, I'm not going to sell out. I promise uh, anything I endorse on here will be something that I believe in. Um, also, a company that pays me, but it has to be that's both, both and. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if you think you'd be a good fit, hit us up. Um, yes, and speaking of sponsors, Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates and could make yours, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Side note... Uh, I got a text from uh, my buddy Josh Passante that uh, the Twinsburg uh, Police and Fire Open House, they had our 2539 plate on display in their uh, police-seized Corvette C5 police car at the open house. So uh, I love it when the scofflaws get some 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 love from, from the other side of the fence there. But uh, anyway, visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Again, use promo code SWITCHCAST at CelebrityMachines.com. And speaking of streaming... BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, 
car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations. It's so easy, we're broadcasting this show with a phone. It would be easier if we had a better iRig adapter, or not iRig adapter, for sound. Uh, head over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. All right. Welcome back to our one-year anniversary show at SwitchCast. If you would like to join us and interact with us, feel free to post your comments, questions, uh, threats, statements, whatever you got in the comment flow of where you're watching live. And my boy Tyler, who drives a green 968 that's one of 16 remaining in the U.S., very proud of it with a graphite gray interior. Will be relaying the questions to us with his wonderful radio face. I mean, radio voice. All right, I kid, I kid. So, sp- speaking of, uh, speaking of police seized vehicles, this is a this is a very controversial topic, and 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 rightly so. So, there's an article this week that the Texas DPS, that's the Department of Public Safety, that's their acronym for the the cops, state troopers. They got a thousand horsepower challenger that they seized through civil asset forfeiture. Uh, So my buddy Sean Petter had an interesting perspective on that because essentially it was, okay, so I'm all about catching criminals and, and prosecuting and writing tickets and stuff, but they basically seized a vehicle for speeding that they're going to then use to speed to catch speeders. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Like, I think we all think it's cool when we see a cop car that's a cool car, right? So, like, Twinsburg has a Corvette C5 police car. And that thing is, like, it's BA, right? I want to drive it around with lights and sirens going. It's super cool when they do burnouts in it. Like, yeah, it's really, really cool. And I think in in some aspects, there's a good reason for it, right? So maybe they got it from a drug dealer, it was a stolen vehicle, or or in some manner, they acquired it in a good way, right? So like when I I used to work at a Land Rover dealership, the Summit County Sheriff had an old Range Rover that they had seized and were always using, but it was, well, they weren't always using it. It was always in service at the dealership because let's be honest, it was a mid-90s Range Rover. So it probably costs a taxpayers more than the Range Rover was worth to keep it going. But um, yeah, the whole civil asset forfeiture thing is a real sticky subject. Um, a lot of departments are seizing vehicles involved in street racing now, which I think is complete BS. Like, wh- why does the police department have a right to take like a fifty or $100,000 vehicle for something that's maybe a two or five thousand dollar offense, right? Like reckless op, you know, thousand bucks. You get a lawyer, you plead it down. Like if if you have a DUI, right? Arguably, a DUI is far more dangerous than street racing. If you have a DUI, you get to keep your car. The cops don't get to take your car. But if you're street racing, or if you try to run from the cops, which in this case, the Texas DPS, it was a guy who ran from the cops. Um, then they just get to take your car, $100,000 car. It's theirs. And then they're going to use it to then catch speeders, which I've watched enough police chase videos to know how it's going to end with a cop driving a thousand horsepower challenger. It's going to get wrecked. 
Because most of those guys can't even handle a friggin' Crown Vic. <laughs> and that's not to make fun of cops. They need more training. But don't friggin' give a cop who hasn't gone through firearms training an Uzi. And be like, go catch bad guys. I, I, I don't know. And, and then this, the whole civil asset forfeiture thing. I'm not an attorney. I'm not going to get into the legality of it. But I've read some of the situations in which police justify civil asset forfeiture. And it scares me. Because I find it highly suspect and unconstitutional. And the problem is it's a guilty until proven innocent scenario. Because if they determine that, well, we can seize this under the civil asset forfeiture laws, then you have to hire an attorney and prove that you can, like, deserve to get whatever was yours back. And oftentimes, you don't get all of it back. And probably cash is is the biggest, um, uh, biggest item of controversy, right? So um, a lot of people think that... If you're carrying more than 10 grand cash, then it's illegal to carry more than 10 grand across state lines. And I actually thought that because I was on a plane once next to a guy who was going out to California to buy a Chevy Impala SS. And it was like 14 grand. So he bought his friend a plane ticket and they each carried seven grand because he's like, well, I can't carry more than 10 grand on a plane. And I was like, okay, that sucks. And I like I just I kind of always assumed that was a thing, and I think people do because of the the rule with the IRS, where if a, a business takes more than ten thousand dollars in payments, they have to file a form with the IRS. Now it's not illegal. I could take a hundred thousand dollars cash in a car. I just have to notify the IRS that I did it to make sure that there's no money laundering or whatever illegal money happening. To make sure that those people. Well, yeah, it's money laundering. They don't really care. IRS doesn't even care if they obtained it by illegal means as long as they paid their taxes. So it's not even a, a, a drug dealing thing. They could have stolen the money as long as they pay 25% to the IRS. <laughs> but, right, so that there's this there's this weird $10,000 threshold that's, that's highly misunderstood. And a little while ago, I looked it up because I go, man, I'm carrying cash all the time to go buy cars or whatever. And I got pulled over a couple times in different states and cops asked me, do you have anything like large amounts of cash or firearms? And I just answered no. But the more I learn about it, the more I go, the cop, I mean, he can ask that, but I don't have to answer that because both of those things are legal. But if I say, yes, I'm carrying a large amount of cash, then I open myself up to a search to uh, an unconstitutional seizure and I was talking with my team about this because they travel a fair amount to buy cars with cash legitimately like we withdraw it from the bank we have a receipt they go buy a car that somebody owns legitimately sign off the title and I'm like guys if you get pulled over with this amount of cash don't say anything because you don't have to and I don't want to have to fight to go get 40 grand back and spend 20 grand in legal fees to get 40 grand back from a cop. So the the whole civil asset forfeiture thing is a real, real sticky situation. Um, 
I'd love to have a constitutional attorney on to, to discuss that thing. But uh, yeah, so Texas DPS got a thousand horsepower Challenger through civil asset forfeiture. I'm sure there's a little more to the story, but from what I read of the article, like he ran from cops, but it wasn't stolen. It wasn't acquired through drug money or whatever. I, it just, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, it yeah. There's, there's a whole episode on that probably, but interested to hear all yours, all y'all's thoughts, as they say, down south. Um, but yeah, speaking of carrying large amounts of cash to go buy a car and ethics, which we talked about a couple weeks ago with Ed, or was that last week? I don't know. Time flies. So my guys went all the way to South Carolina this week to buy two cars uh, one of which was at a dealer and they got there and it was totally misrepresented. And they're like, dude, come on. Like, why'd you even try? And they walked away from that one. But the other one was a private seller and we got a certified check for the guy. He knew we were coming. We had agreed on a price, got a certified check. I think we had sent him a deposit, drove all the way from Ohio with a truck and trailer. They, he knew we were coming. And when the guys were Two hours away, now this is, mind you, like a 10-hour drive. When they were two hours away, he texted them and was like, nah, sorry, guys, it changed my mind. Don't want to sell the car. Yeah. Now, if a dealer did that, we'd be in all sorts of hot water. But people can just change their mind like that. No, no regard for people's time or consideration or anything like that. My guess is... He sold it to somebody else for more money. Because that's usually what happens. Not always, but... I had a dude that <clears throat> I went to go try to buy a 924 in Cincinnati. And he at least called He called me as I was getting on the highway. That was like, I sold it to a guy down the street. I want to keep it local, blah, blah, blah. But it was like two weeks of me trying to figure out if it was legit, if it was a good car, like whatever else. Because the photos were on Craigslist and super crappy. So at least he called me before I left. But yeah, that would have sucked if I and, was in Columbus. And you <laughs> took two weeks. Oh yeah, right? this wasn't like, like my guys thing. like they found the car, they called them, they made a deal, they were on their way 48 hours later. Oh so, yeah. That was much faster. Than, like, yeah, past Tyler did not move as quickly on things. <laughs> <laughs> past Tyler. All right, what what we need a segue. What what do we got from from the listeners? What uh, what kind of trash talk are we getting into here? Uh, I don't think there's too much trash talk, but uh, Tanzil uh, says, "Hey Try Doug, harder." Will V10 Lamborghinis ever become loved by collectors, or should one simply drive the piss out of their Huracans without concern of miles because they won't ever become collectible? Mm. Uh, someone has commented. What's the next big thing? <laughs> uh, someone responded that says there's too many Huracans, which I tend to agree <laughs> with. Uh, Florida believes there's too many Huracans, too. They get crappy flooding from Huracans. I'm going to buy a Lamborghini Huracan and just get a license plate that says Ian. <laughs> should get one guaranteed at least 10 of them were flooded down there so just get one of those and put yeah, that plate on right. it yeah I, okay i yes they made too many to become collectible regardless of whether or not they will become collectible you should drive a car and drive the piss out of it because you will have more enjoyment and truly collectible cars people have no regard for mileage right so there's like the in-between cars like four GTs, right? They made 4,400 of them and people are, are nutty about 
MSO, number of owners, miles, blah, blah, blah. You get into real collector cars like Ferrari 250 GTOs and short wheelbase California Spiders. Nobody ever asks about the mileage. Who cares? And FYI, Huracans aren't going to be collectible. So the more you drive it, the less it will cost you to own on a relative scale. So the guy who only puts 5,000 miles on his Huracan because he's trying to save it for the next guy, it'll cost him like 10 bucks a mile to own. And if you put 50,000 miles on it, it'll cost you like $2 to own. And I'm not just pulling those numbers out of thin air. I remember distinctly when there was a, there's like a 50 or 100,000 mile Gyarda Spider for sale a while back for 105 grand. And the market for a low mile one was 125. And I'm just like, who's the idiots here? It's not the guy that put 100,000 miles on his Gallardo and is only selling it for 20 grand less than everybody else who didn't drive their car. He enjoyed that car and he got his money's worth out of it. So my advice always, always is for people to put a piece of tape over the odometer and just drive it. No, and I love that. I love... Uh, it's it bitchin' moan night on there's some sass coming from the peanut gallery from the peanut gallery we okay (laughs) send your comments through the the live stream it's always bitch and moan night on switchcast (laughs) absolutely i was just soapbox night i always remember when our mutual friend john sabo when i told him how many miles i had put on my 911 at some point earlier this year he was like dude you could put that into a lake and still come out on top he's like you've it's like I think I'm almost below a dollar a mile at this yeah. point in purchase and maintenance. His, like, just his enjoy phrase it. is that car owes you nothing. Yes. And that's the best feeling to have is when you've gotten so much enjoyment out of a car that if you put it into a lake, it owes you nothing. And that's a it's a very freeing feeling. I think that's what I want people to experience, right? So when you're holding onto a car and trying to preserve it for the next guy. I understand that sentiment, right? We're not all rich enough to be able to put a car into a lake. And and we don't actually, it's figure of speech, but when you can release yourself of that, of counting every mile of, of agonizing over every rock chip and say, I don't care about the next guy. I'm having fun with this car. It's an amazing feeling. No, totally agree. It's how I treat both of mine, and it's I can't imagine any other way. Yeah, like I've had, I've made so many memories. Just took the nine six eight with the amazing gray interior that you like to lambast constantly uh, to Rhode Island. It was like thirteen hundred miles. It's just it amazing. It's an easy target. Nah, it is. It's fine. Okay, so I I do want to address this, right? So so somebody last week asked about the R thirty four GTRs and whether or not the R33 and 32 would go up in value once the R34s became legal. And my stance here, and I probably come down a little too hard on people, probably especially on that guy, I'm sorry, is is that cars are not investments, right? Cars aren't investments, cars aren't investments. Just enjoy. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit and say they can be, they can be. Some of them are. It's a very, very small uh, selection of cars that can be investments. But in order to talk about cars as investments, we have to define what an investment is, right? So in a certain like contracted period of time, 
a lot of cars will vastly outperform traditional investments. So there's a analogy somebody gave on on BAT of Ford GT versus Ford stock, right? So Ford GT in the last 10 years has vastly outperformed Ford stock, right? But that's one car and one single stock. But that also requires proper timing of the market, right? You have to buy it at the right time and sell it at the right time. Very few cars go up in value continuously over a long period of time. And even at that, like enough to offset maintenance costs, storage, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't believe timing is a traditional, uh, I'm sorry, a good investment doesn't require timing, right? So you have day traders, but then, but they're not investors, they're day traders. So if you're investing for your retirement, you're putting money in a mutual fund that grows over time. It ebbs and flows, but over a long period of time, it's a stable, safe place for your money to grow. And in general, the vast majority of cars are not that. And if you're trying to get the timing right in order for your cars to be good investments, that's not an investment. That's day trading. That's arbitrage. That's whatever you want to call it. That's not a traditional investment. Um, and as far as timing goes too, I mean, good luck timing the market perfectly, right? So to rephrase a saying of Warren Buffett, if other people are talking about cars as investments, they aren't. Cars are only really good investments when nobody else thinks they are. So right now, everybody's talking about cars as investments because they've gone up 50, 100, 300% in the last two years. But do you want to buy when everybody else is talking about them as great investments when they've been going up? Or do you want to buy them when nobody else cares, right? So the Warren Buffett saying is, be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. The last two years, everybody's been being greedy. Um, oh, shoot. Brain fart. I hate this when this happens. Yep. Okay. Had a great point to the, oh, oh, gold, gold, right? So the other thing you have to consider when, when looking at cars as investments is who is telling you that they're a good investment. Nine times out of 10, I'm not going to say nine, 99 times out of a hundred. When I see people say, and, and I hate this phrase, I literally just saw on the Corvette buy, sell, trade Facebook group page today. This car will only go up in value. I'm like, even stocks don't only go up in value. They go up and down. But I'm like, the the person telling you that it will only go up in value has a financial interest in you buying into his sales pitch. It's like people peddling gold. Didn't you say at one point that if it was only going to go up in value, they would just keep it? Right. Exactly. And take a loan out on it. if it was a guaranteed thing. Like, I don't believe in debt, but I don't believe in debt because of the risk factor. If things were guaranteed, I'd leverage every single friggin' thing I had and buy guaranteed investments. If it's a sure thing, it's a sure thing. But they aren't a sure thing. So you have to look at who's trying to tell you their investments. If it's somebody selling the car or selling the investment, it's a conflict of interest. Like, come on. 
It's why you don't buy whole life insurance because the person selling you whole life insurance gets a huge fat commission off of you buying the quote unquote investment. That's terrible. So cars can be investments, can be, but you have to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to questions. Off uh, my soapbox. That leads into another uh not a question, more of a comment. Uh, Taillight Express just requests more Corvette owner slash buyer stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can skip the middleman and just go to the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Facebook group and set up alerts for their posts and just spend half an hour a day on there. That's all the entertainment you need. But if you don't want to do that, I'll continue to filter that content through to here. <laughs> going to be the scam episodes and then the corvette buy sell trade it's group so episodes easy. like they're oh they're the worst they're the worst i bought a corvette today too oh is it a c5 it's a c4 it's a supercharged oh. c4 mark spence wants to know your location oh. <laughs> <laughs> i need to start for those of you that don't know but you should know by now mark spence is a twin twinder tin tinder blum blunder a what whatever those dating social network app things are that you swipe the tinder and bum well bumble i think the girl has to reach out to you he's he's on tinder all the time whatever uh he is a mark's mark spence is a tinder superstar he loves it. He was swiping at the airport he's, in Atlanta when we were on the way to Amelia. While he wipes. <laughs> he was swiping on his cannonball. His coast to coast to coast cannonball with Nick and Wes. He was he was swiping on the way out west and then he would get matches on the way back east. I don't know what he thought he was going to do like, "Hey, drop me off. This one's a real winner. <laughs> Put me on the side of the road." But uh. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know where I was going with it. Oh, yeah. So I should make up car profiles and just like figure out like female and just have them all be Corvette C4s (laughs) and like GMC Typhoons and try to get Mark matched with Spence and just swipe (laughs) until Mark gets a boom with a Corvette. (laughs) You know that if he's swiping and he sees a C4 come up, he's swiping without even thinking. (laughs) We should just, can we get like... Can we get a, a a a model to pose in front of some some eighties nineties GM products <laughs> and make fake profiles just to troll Mark? <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> we go buy a bunch of old calendars from flea markets or whatever. <laughs> oh. oh goodness, the terrible ideas that are hatched on Switchcast. Uh, <laughs> I hope he listens to this. Okay. <laughs> All right, next up, (laughs) Sam S. I like this question. Uh, I don't, I I do know the answer. Uh, Hey, Doug, what's your favorite generation of the GT3? Uh, I mean, there's only two. There's the 996 and the 997. I like the 997 better. That was a hot take, but there's, what about the 991? Do you not consider that real? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Flappy Paddles? Oh. Non-Metzger? I I mean I no I I shouldn't say that the 992 GT3 is friggin' gorgeous and that's a heck of a car, but I think the 996 and the 997 were like the true drivers' cars where they didn't do stuff for you. The 997 didn't even have stability control; it just had traction control. Like that's like, I mean, Porsche was 
right at the like late 90s General Motors technology right there with traction control only. That's Porsche saying we want to sell to Corvette owners. <laughs> no, I, I 997. That's it. That's it. I mean, I'm sitting right in front of a 997 GT3. It's the best one. It's the best one. The best sound. 996 is a wee bit more fun to drive. A wee bit. But just less nannies, as they say. Or yeah, it's just more engaging. It's a little smaller. It, too, it's I not think. about the nannies. It's about the suspension design. And uh, the 997 was better, but it was more refined. That's always, I mean, that's the trajectory of any cars. They get better and they get more refined. They get better and more refined. And everybody has to find their happy place where they say, this is the right level of raw versus refinement to me. Because you could go back and say, well, a 1915 Stutz is the ultimate driver's car because there's no synchro gearboxes and no assisted brakes or anything. So you feel the road. Yeah, you do feel the road, but not in a good way but everybody has that line of how much is too much refinement to me i think the 997 both in the gt3 and the regular 911 was like the perfect like honestly after 2010 ish or i'd say any design after 2010 i just i struggle to care about because i think there was a line that was crossed in automotive technology that it started doing things for you too much and like the the nissan gtr was at the forefront of that it was 2009 it was released 2008 actually and it was an amazing car from a technological standpoint and i put 10,000 miles on one but i do not miss it one bit because it just it had no soul it had no personality there was nothing memorable about it it did awesome things and porsche guys made fun of it but then they jumped both feet in when Porsche did the exact same thing with the 991 GT3. Hey, we made a car that's a hero car and does everything for you. And I don't know. I, I think they lost me at that. All the manufacturers did. So, yeah, that was a long answer to a short question. Uh, next up is uh, Sam P. They say, I know cannonballing as a subject is hard to always talk about. Uh, but those are always my favorite. You inspired me on our recent run, and we were thrilled to see you uh, like the post in the C2C group. Which run was that? I'm sorry. Gotta start back. I do not. Who was it? Sam Pat. Sam Pat. Sam Pat. Well, I like cannonballing. I'm happy for anyone who does a run. Um whether or not it's a record, it doesn't matter. I tell everybody this. Ed said it to in different words. It's essentially just a, a challenge for yourself and something I think everybody who's interested in Cannonball needs to do. Like at the, the Cannonball reunion, our panel, our expert panel was asked, like, what, is it, what does it take to do a Cannonball? And I said, you go to the Red Ball and you drive to the Portofino. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter who goes. It doesn't matter what car. You just do it to do it for yourself. And a lot of people have this, like, big hurdle where they, well, I'll never be able to do a cannonball. I don't have enough money. I don't have a fast enough car. Fine. Types of records, sub-records have been set in a Prius, in a Saab, in a Lexus LS. Like, 
Who cares? Just go do it. Well, that's just someone walked up to us at one of the events uh, when we were at the Audrey and Motor Week, and we're like, how did you get started? How do I get started? And your answer is just, just do it. Get a car that will make it. <laughs> or not. Or not. And go. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah, it's part of the adventure. I've not made it as many times as I've made it. <laughs> Nathan's Detailing is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Nathan's Detailing is a company in Cleveland, Ohio that provides mobile detailing services for individuals and dealerships. They also offer PPF and ceramic coating installations. With over 800 Google reviews and an impressive 4.9 star rating, Nathan's Detailing is the go-to shop for all of your detailing and protection needs. With Nathan's, convenience is key. Their mobile detailing technicians bring the power, water, and supplies to your home or work and detail your car on site. Check out the link in our description for free interior fabric protection or leather conditioning with your purchase. At Nathan's Detailing, this smiles for you. Well, thank you guys again for being here. And uh, let's see, we, we haven't done a question of the week in a little bit, um, but... Uh, yeah, I want to give away a t-shirt tonight or two because it's our one-year anniversary. So, I don't know. The best comment in the next 15 minutes gets a t-shirt. Courtesy of Nuts for Sticks. Yeah, Nuts for Sticks is the enthusiast. Nope. <laughs> That's switch cars. Nuts for Sticks is a sweet merchandise site that has great automotive-related dad joke t-shirts and stickers yeah we're nuts for stickers also uh you can go to nutsforsticks.com and use discount code switchcast to get 10 percent off your merchandise order and uh yeah uh so yeah best comment in the next 15 minutes wins a t-shirt pack of at least one um uh, i do want to talk a little bit about uh let's see it it, it wouldn't be a switchcast episode without an update on Carvana. That's been like a consistent theme of this year, right? We've talked about scams. I feel like Carvana is basically just a publicly traded scam. Um, so they have previously had their license pulled in Illinois, I think Indiana, and uh, I don't know if they had it pulled in Florida, but they had some some sanctions in Florida. Uh, now, somebody commented, well, they're, you know, they're independently operated. So everybody, you know, runs under different, uh, different rules. But I also firmly believe that, uh, excuse the French, shit rolls downhill. So, um, yeah, if stuff at the top is not right, then that's going to be reflected down the line. And just this week, I couldn't ask for this if I tried. Carvana, one of the Carvanas in Novi, Michigan, had its license revoked. That's darn right. It was suspended. They had 112 different title delays, 127 probation violations. That's not like they hired people that were on probation or whatever, but... Um, they were already under close scrutiny from the Department of Motor Vehicles because they had had so many complaints and they were on probation for different violations and they did not rectify those issues. 
So they had their license suspended and they actually were destroying documents like odometer statements and title applications to try to cover up their tracks. Uh, this is, this is freaking crazy. Like I, I know a lot of shady corner lot dealers and they've had their licenses for a long time. They're not pulling this kind of stuff. This is a publicly traded company and Carvana is pulling this crap. Uh, and, and yet there's like large companies advising that Carvana is a stock to buy and they're on their way up. Like I, I sometimes I don't understand the financial world because there's a lot of people in fancy suits with big degrees making a ton of money that just can't see the writing on the wall. Um, their stock this week is under 20 bucks, which it hasn't been since 2018, I think it was. I mean, it's the first time in four to five years that it's been this low. Um, it's almost at an all-time low. I think their IPO is at like 13 or 14 bucks. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm continuing on my track that Carvana is going down in flames. They're going to uh, file bankruptcy at some point, and they should. And to follow up on last week, we were talking about pineapples and upside-down pineapples being a symbol of swingers, I guess. It's like the official logo of Newport, Rhode Island, so I don't know. If you live there, maybe maybe you like a good time. But Jason Adkins commented, and I missed it last week, that pink flamingos in your yard are also a sign of like, I like to have a good time, which that is complete horse crap, right? Uh, maybe the, in trailer parks, man, that's, that's not, I have a good time. That's like, I've got high class. That's like the Bentley of, you know, the manicure lawn. That That's what, up in Maine, I think it means a totally different thing. I grew up in Maine, and we had pink flamingos in our yard. And I was homeschooled, and my parents, they didn't like to have that kind of a good time. They were straight-laced. So I don't get this whole pink flamingo thing. Maybe it means something different out in the Midwest. But I always thought it was just like, hey, I'm a, I'm a classy redneck. I, they had it out front of their Airstream trailer. Come on. It's on. Anyway, Tyler. I'm trying to process all this. There's a couple of uh, very nice neighbors I had growing up that had pink flamingos in their front yard. And I'm starting to think about them a little bit different. Did you live in in the country? No, I lived in Streetsboro. Streetsboro is a freaking country of of the Ohio suburbs. The fanciest truck stop in the area. It's like Streets Tucky. 100%. Uh, I, I don't. I don't buy the pink flamingo thing. I don't I'm buy sorry. the pineapple thing. I don't it buy was all over keychains and all this at all these like stores that I saw. Like, I've had swingers approach me before, Ooh, and bragging. none of them were like, "Hey, do you want some pineapple?" <laughs> <laughs> what? It's <laughs> what? Ethan is not happy with the direction this has gone. <laughs> it's fruit. It's not a secret signal. Anyway. Uh, speaking of scams, since everybody loves scams, there's a fishing scandal out of Ohio last week. If you haven't heard about this, you live under a rock because my wife has heard about it and she has no interest in fishing. Heck, I have no interest in fishing and I heard about it. Who wants to go sit in a boat all day and not move fast? Um, so last these, these two guys, 
What's that? It, it is a great story. So these guys, uh, apparently they're multiple world champions or whatever league champions catching the heaviest fish. And a lot of people had been suspicious, kind of called BS, and it had gone somewhat unnoticed. But I guess last year uh, they sort of got caught, but there's no smoking gun. And these two guys did a, a media blitz PR thing and released this statement or video or whatever that their reputation matters more than anything else and they were never cheat. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, the louder you yell about not being a liar, the more likely you're a liar. Because this year, they their fish that were the same size as everybody else's were like a pound heavier and the official cut open the fish and they found lead weights in the fish. And they had put like fillets of other fish in between the lead weights so they wouldn't like bang together and it wouldn't be obvious but apparently it was obvious and they had won thousands tens of thousands of dollars in prizes and they had won a boat last year at the competition but they had it taken away because they failed a lie detector test which i guess everybody who wins this competition in a certain league has to take a lie detector test as fairly standard practice but again, that wasn't enough of a smoking gun. I mean, a lie detector test isn't admissible in court, but it's it's enough to disqualify you from from a win from a free bass boat. But yeah, when when they pulled the the lead weights out of these fish, everybody went ballistic because they went ballistic, right? Lead <laughs> lead balls in there, um, because they knew they had been cheating this whole time. Just this was the first proof. So anyway, I, I always say that we don't talk about anything on this show unless it's relevant to cars or at least tangentially related. So I, I'm not sure how this is actually tangentially related to, to cars or cannonballing. I'll let you all make the connection, figure it out. But uh, yeah, these two guys... Uh, they they yelled really, really loud about being honest and not cheating. And they uh, they got away with it for a long time until they didn't. They got called out. Anyway, yes. Who was winning a T-shirt? Oh, right. So Sam uh, S. again uh, asks, what was your experience like driving west on I-70 past Denver on your cannonball run? Is that an <laughs> interesting area? Yeah, so uh, people think that going out west in the Cannonball, like that's where you make up all your time. It's just the, the wild open west, no traffic. And there's nothing but traffic and police. And it's two-lane roads everywhere. But once you get past Denver, you have the Vail Pass, which is could snow in July and get shut down. Or, you know, a truck spills a crate in a crate in, carton of... <laughs> a crate of cartons of milk, I don't know, a load of milk, and they shut it down. They'll shut it down for almost anything, and it could be shut down for days. Anyway, but then even after you get through the pass, it's a ton of elevation change, a ton of tight corners, and it's it's just a long, long time of not being able to drive very fast. It's very technical driving. It's a lot of fun in a capable car, but it's it's not great for maintaining cannonball speeds. SC says, I think death proof cover art when I see the cannonball sticker on Doug's computer. Is there any connection between the two? 
death there's proof there's a couple art. cannonball stickers i have no idea they were designed by arnie so i don't i don't think there's anything i don't even know what death proof is is that 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 fizzy water or whatever you oh, guys drink no. <laughs> Liquid yeah, death. Yeah, that's liquid death. No relation. Just because that's death. Really, in the name. really expensive friggin' oh, canned it's water. So good though. <laughs> is it really? No, yeah, Death Proof is a movie. With Kurt Russell. Okay. I was homeschooled. I'm just gonna use that for everything. Maybe if you were I drinking no some clue. liquid death, you'd feel a little bit better right about now. This is I'm <laughs> gonna pour this in a can and put a friggin' logo on it and charge you eighteen dollars, and you're gonna thank me for selling you eighteen dollar water because I came up with a stupid freaking name. I love how upset this makes you. <laughs> it's what how much does liquid death cost? It's like a buck fifty, two bucks a can. And it's like a what pint is it, can. what are the ingredients? carbonation water and you can get flavoring ones i don't do the still water ones <laughs> where is it are you getting it? <laughs> darn right it is do you have any better questions that is not gonna win a t-shirt <laughs> i did i most appreciated how when we were in amelia together this year you refused to drink liquid death even though the the tap water in the airbnb was terrible you're like i on principle i refuse and to drink i am this. a water snob <laughs> Ugh. All right. Before it's, a rip-off. <laughs> it's water in a can. And there's a skull on it, dog. It's going to give you cancer, don't you know that? It's in aluminum. Uh, it's no worse than the plastic. <laughs> anyway, depends who's doing the study. All right. <laughs> Boy, okay, back on the rails. Here we go. Uh Daniel BC uh says, "Do you know anybody that has a rush prebed for a 2008 Silverado crew cab?" <laughs> Short bed. <laughs> His dark metallic blue. <laughs> He's not winning the t-shirt. That's all I can say. <laughs> I think Ethan just wanted to hear me read that. <laughs> a rush pre-bed? Yeah, I'm not sure what is that, that is. Is that like a Neil Peart-themed bedliner? <laughs> <laughs> Does it do this? Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but uh, if anybody knows, Dan BC is looking for it. Uh, all right, Nick Kruger says. <laughs> all right, Nick we Kruger says. Uh, you say in a sob in such a condescending way. It made it all the way across <laughs> and back, and that's what hey, West driving too. Hey Nick, hey Nick, how's that sob now? How's that second motor on your sob? Not so good? Oh, man. Love it when I win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I say it in a condescending way. The whole world says anything about sobs in a condescending way. Oh, gosh. I seriously think Didn't Ethan Christian is- von Koenigsegg try to buy out sob or something like that? That sounds like something that's real. Yeah. He needs to do that just so they can mass produce a bunch of those 9-5 wagons that they never made so I can buy one and then he can shut the company back down again. Mm. Those are gorgeous. Yeah, Saab, I, it, if memory serves me correctly, Saab even failed in how they failed because they had buyers for the company and they're like, no, 
we got this. And they went down in a ball of flames instead of taking one of their bailouts. I mean, look at Volvo. I know it's just easy because Swedish, but there was it Geely that owns them now? And they're flourishing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Volvos are awesome. Yeah. He was looking for a rushed free bed. Oh, you mean rust free? Rushed free. A rust free bed? Yeah, rust free bed. For it. So, not rush pre bread or bed. (laughs) (laughs) Pre bread? Is that like (laughs) yeast? A rust free bed. I think pre bread. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Uh, Ethan is really messing with me. I'd give him the T-shirt if he wasn't in Canada, which I'm assuming from his (laughs) username. All right, a couple more, then we're going to the props and flops. This is Uh, going downhill quickly. (laughs) It's not this. It's not going to get any better. This username is fantastic. Uh, Smirt Sosi Jilamazu Sloboda Naruto. (laughs) (laughs) That's almost as good as the Jazzle McDilder tits. That one was amazing. That was the best username comment in the history of Switchcast. Will never be topped. Uh, well, uh, this uh, interesting person asks, what cars do the fishermen drive? What cars do the fishermen drive? They all drive pickup trucks. Oh, those fishermen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like lobster fishermen. I guarantee you they all drive friggin' Chevy Silverados, Ram pickup trucks, whatever. That are not rust-free. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not a Ford Mustang though. Maybe a Corvette? All right, one one more, one more, and then we're going to props and flops. All right. Vampire Bear 13 asks, "Doug, will you be going out as the Mexican Stig for Halloween with at least 17 question marks?" <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm going for as Halloween. Typically, you do you do a costume, not yourself. Mm. So, oh, I did. I guess I did do the Mexican stick a few years ago. It's easy because I have a three layer fire suit, and it's super friggin' warm, and it's always cold on Halloween. So, it's very possible. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, any other really noteworthy ones? Or are we going to props and flops? No, we should uh, should take this uh, off into the sunset take, here. Take this party to a to a different bar. All right. Well, one of you, I, I will pick a question. I, I, it's so hard. There's so many good ones. I will pick a question and send one of you a free T-shirt. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Props and Flops brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is nothing other. It can't be anything other than the Mark Corvette's best Corvette 89 Corvette red with red interior and knockoff Corvette C6 wheels and a Paxton supercharger. Heck friggin' yeah. It'll do burnouts for days, mostly not because of the power, but because the tires are 14 years old. I wouldn't expect anything less from a Corvette owner to not have up-to-date tires. So we'll get that rectified and find a new Corvette owner. So if you're interested, you want a lot of fun for less than 15 grand, 
hit us up. So our flop of the week comes to us from our very own Mark Spence and John McDonald uh, over at Neo Classics. So they have a, a customer who claimed that they sent them, they shipped the wrong car. So the customer came and inspected this car in person. It was a 450 SL Mercedes convertible. All of them are convertibles, except that, well, I guess the SLC isn't because the C means coupe. But anyway, it was a convertible and it has the Pagoda matching hardtop. And the guy was sent photos of the car with the top up, the top down, and with the hardtop installed. But he didn't see it in person with the hardtop installed. And he was informed before the buyer sent the shipper, the, the buyer was informed that the hardtop would be installed prior to shipping because that's obviously the easiest way to send it is on the friggin' car. So he got the car on Monday with the hardtop on it, and since he got the car, he has barraged Neo Classics with no less than 20 phone calls and texts complaining that the wrong car was delivered because the one he received was, quote-unquote, not convertible. I didn't set myself up for the next line. I'm going to do this again. He said that the wrong car was delivered because the one he received was not convertible. Forgive me for saying it in an accident. Accent. That was an accident. Forgive me for saying it in an accent, but when you leave out articles, I have to assume you're Borat. This car is convertible not. This car is convertible pause not. <laughs> this car is convertible. Not. <laughs> All right. Prop of the week. <laughs> South Shore Auto Works, who is a previous flop of the week a long time ago. The owner of South Shore Auto Works called me this week. And uh, it's not often someone calls to apologize. And I've, I've personally been in the unenviable position of having to apologize. And let me tell you, it is far worse than being apologized to. I would rather somebody wrong me any day of the week than to wrong somebody else because that is incredibly humbling. You have to, yeah, you have to eat crow. Uh, but anyway, South Shore Auto Works, the owner called me. And the backstory was I bought a Porsche 996 from them. It was nowhere near as represented. It was kind of rusty underneath. It was a very low mileage car and should have been perfect. And the the contact there, the sales manager basically just gave me a line of car salesman BS that, you know, isn't worth repeating. And I lost my crap on him. So it would have been great if that guy had called me and actually realized the error of their ways. But let's be honest, car salesmen aren't going to. Uh, but the owner called me and said, hey, you know, I realized that uh, we had some of the wrong people at our place and things were not run the way I wanted them to. And that person is no longer with us. They've been fired. And uh, we kind of cleaned house here because I want things done the right way. And uh, I have a lot of respect for the guy that he actually took the time to call me and uh, and apologize. That's that's a very respectable move. Uh, it's, it's, that's a tough thing to do. And, um, yeah, I, I get it. Not everybody that you hire is always going to 
uh, put forth uh, your particular values and they may not always uh, represent your company properly, but in, it, uh, it's, it's how you deal with it. And that guy, uh, the owner of South Shore dealt with it properly and uh, yeah, totally, totally give him a, a prop for that. So again, thank you guys so much for being with us for a year and we look forward to another fantastic year of SwitchCast. Uh, with your help, it will be great. Thank you for sending me content, for sending me articles, questions, all the things that you guys do to make this show great. I'm just here with a friggin' microphone and uh, I'm made to sound good by my wonderful producer, Ethan, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, liquid courage here rather than liquid death. <laughs> Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you to our sponsors, Boxcast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Home Woodworking, and Nathan's Detailing. Thank you again to my wonderful producer, Ethan Huffnagel, for making all of this happen and work. Our bumper music is provided with permission from Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts, hopefully without the technological foibles that happened at the beginning. It'll be a nice polished, edited episode. As we always say, fix it in post. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. I got all three E's right. <laughs>